Welcome to Global Truth Center. Okay, so um, Stan really took me to, t to, to heart with this song, because the song lyrics start with about eight questions. So, who do you know you are? Who do you know you are? Not even who do you think you are. Nice choice. What do you need to do? Where are you going now? When will you know the truth? Who do you want to be? What are you looking for? Where is your heart's desire? And when will you see that there's more? You got all those questions? Okay. The title of my talk today is... Do you really need an answer? Do you need an answer? You do? Who needs an answer to all the questions? Well, no, you all, I think you all know what my answer is. So, yeah, and Josh is over here going, nope, nope. Um, so here's the thing. We're closing out this month of questions. But by the time I get through this talk, I really do want to illustrate that questions are really powerful in and of themselves that the answer is not necessarily needed, nor is the answer the same every two seconds. You can answer something, and then it changes pretty dramatically an hour later. The problem is we tend to answer something and then stick to it no matter what. And we don't allow for it to change, because then we're wrong, aren't we? Oh, that was a wrong answer. No, it was the right answer for that moment like marriage and divorce. The marriage was the right answer in that moment for most, and the divorce is the right answer in that moment for those two as well. So it's not that that meant that was the wrong answer. It was right then, and it is a fluid thing. So why bother answering it other than staying wide open to what's there to know? Not the answer, but the fluid knowledge and wisdom that there is to know. So he has a... Um, he has a quote in there, a lyric in there, which I, which I think he changed, but I'm going to go to what he first sent me. Um, he said that we need to read a new story. He says in here, he says, create a new story. But I like the lyric, read a new story. I don't need answers. I need a better perspective on the questions. When we get an answer, we understand the answer from our perspective. Do you know that? So when an answer comes to like, who are you, and you have an answer, that answer is only being answered from your perspective, from your rather limited perspective, in fact, a limited perspective that is answering the questions of your life, deciding who you are based on all of this information that you've gathered in this relative world of, for me, 67 years, 67 years that I've been here. I'm getting used to that. Um, so, for, inst for instance, who do you know you are? So I'm going to ask you that question right now. Who do you know you are? Just think about it for a minute. Who are you? Who do you know you are? It's funny. Someone asked me, uh, had, had not met me, and we were at a party, and this person said, so who are you? And my head, I wanted to say God. <laughs> but I thought this might be an inappropriate answer in this moment. And all I could think of in my head was to say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so many things. Uh, it's kind of a hard question to answer. Who are you? And 
person was like, no, I meant, what is your name? <laughs> and so I said, James Mellon. I said, and um, just so you know, those two questions are not the same question. Who are you and what is my name are two totally different questions. And I, I had to laugh because what I realized later in the evening was that he didn't go back to the other question because that would have been a long answer, I think he thought. He said, I'm not even going to ask this guy who he thinks he is. But it's an interesting point. You know, are questions what we think they are or perhaps are they limited to our knowledge of them? So when I ask, who do you know you are, and I ask you that, I'm going to answer that question on two levels. There are two levels for me to answer that question. Anyone want to scream them out to me? You know it if you've taken classes. And the, the absolute and the relative came from Reverend Kirby Ingram. So the relative and the absolute. I can answer that question on two levels. Who do I think I am? In the relative world, I'm a minister. I'm a husband. I am a father. I am a singer, a dancer, I'm an actor, I'm a, I'm a, I'm not using that word, I am a uh, questioner, I am a thinker, I am so many different things. I'm a tap dancer. I can give you so many things I do when I say, who am I in the relative world? When I go to the absolute, there's really only one answer. What is that? God. Okay, so, but, but I can actually expand that because God can be a very divisive word. So in the absolute, I'm nothing but energy. I'm a vibration. I'm an idea. I'm intelligence. I'm wisdom. I am this passionate field of unending creativity. That's who I am in the absolute. Now, the irony here is that I'm both. The problem is we tend to live in these two worlds as though they're separate. So in the, in the relative world, I'm this, I'm that, I'm successful, I'm, I'm, I'm a failure, I'm good at this, I'm not good at this. You know, I, 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 I've done this in my life, but I've never done this yet. And it's all relative. Because in the absolute, everything already is. And that's who I am. And so the more and more I delve into this quantum field of pure possibility and potentiality, that world tends to like start seeping into this world. So that when I ask myself, who am I, I don't necessarily go right to minister. Certainly not at a party. I don't necessarily go to father, husband. I go to the, the in immense possibility of who I truly am. And I think that's where we need to start really making this paradigm shift. That we stop seeing ourselves, knowing ourselves, identifying ourselves as this relative world of form, this body. This is who I am. No, this is not who I am. This is who all of this brought into play in this moment. And I have had the gift and the, and the pleasure of taking this and creating a personality out of it. This is a personality. Are you aware of that? A great one. But it's a personality. You are a personality. If you're a sourpuss walking through the world, that's your personality. That is what you have done with all of this. You created a sourpuss. <laughs> Anybody? Please don't raise your hand. Oh, is that you? You are not a sourpuss, Glenda. Sometimes. No, you are never a sourpuss. So, so do you see where I'm going with this? So you can have many, many ideas. All of those questions that, songs, that, 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 that Stan's song brings up 
They're all in the relative world, except they're not. You can answer them from the absolute. Answer every single one of those questions from the absolute. So you may think this is brand new information that we're getting, like we're really on the cusp. We're on the edge of this, this modern day quantum metaphysics, right? But let me, my next quote will show you that actually this has been going on for a long time. The next quote, please. All things be ready if our minds be so. Shakespeare, Henry V. You can all thank Bonnie Schneider for sending me that quote. So I just want to look at that. All things be ready. Everything is ready. The pure potentiality of the universe is right there for me to use if my mind be so. If my mind is clear, if I understand what my mind is. This year, as we're going through Consciousness Studies 1, 2, Practitioner Studies, and then Advanced Consciousness Studies, all four classes are going on simultaneously. I have never, in my, my entire 15, 19 years of ministry, chosen to teach four classes in one week and to go from Consciousness Studies 1 to practitioner studies, to consciousness studies too, to advanced consciousness studies. And here's the irony. I'm teaching the same thing in all four classes. I just couch it a little bit differently depending on who's sitting in front of me. If this class is just starting, I have to teach it a little different than the advanced consciousness class. But it's the same truth. And it is, for me, brand new. It is understanding this idea of quantum pure possibility and potentiality and to realize that's who I am and to give my best effort to help everyone get rid of their freaking stories. How many stories do you all have? Lots, right? Tons. We all have tons. I have tons of stories. And I'm not going to stop saying them because they're interesting and fun. But if a story is something that's holding me back, I have to stop telling it. Do you ever hear yourself telling the same story over and over and over? Question that story. And this is the whole point today. It's your perspective of the story. Oh, thank you, Jim. Were you realizing I was getting dry? Thank you. Everybody, a handful of Jim. So you can look at your life from either perspective. And that's really my question to you today. Which perspective of you are you going to look at, your life at, look at your life with? Are you going to look at it from the limited world of the relative form and go up and down and up and down based on what happens in this world that we live in? Or you're going to look at those same things that are going on in your life, but look at them from this quantum perspective of who you truly are and really get it. It was funny, on, um, on Friday night, we had a sound problem in the room, I think, um, Many of you that were here noticed that since we started 20 minutes late, which is enough to send my husband into apoplectic fit. 20 minutes late, not acceptable. 30 seconds late, not acceptable. That's my life. And, and so, you know, Larry's trying to fix the problem, Mark's trying to fix the problem, Kevin's trying to fix the problem, and I'm watching the energy go higher and higher and higher and more frenetic, more frenetic, scary, scary, scary. And, and there's no answers. No one's having any answers. Or, and some of the answers that are coming in are impossible. And so, and, and I now have to get up on stage and be charming. 
as all of this energy is swirling around me, and I had to remind myself, I said, okay, here's the world of form. All of this is happening. Yes, it's happening. I'm not one of those new thought people that sticks my head in the sand and goes, it's all good, it's all God. This will resolve itself. No, because it's not going to resolve itself unless I do something to resolve it. An ostrich with its head in the ground will be run over by a truck if it comes by. It will not suddenly say, the truck is not there. The truck is not there. <laughs> You're dead. So, that is not who I ever am going to be. So, so <laughs> oh, I don't know where these things come from, but that's what I'm thinking. So, I finally said, all right, stop. Everybody hand, grab hand. Poor Ricky Byers. She'd had a mic put on her that was never going to work. I'm like, take that off. We're moving on. And I'm taking it off in her head. I was like, I'm so sorry. Calming down. And she just looked at me. She goes, you've got this. I said, I do. So we just stopped. I had, she took a handheld. I took off the other microphone. And we started. And it was beautiful. That was an example. And I thank Marilyn Taylor for writing me an email telling me how, how that moved her that moment. That is an example of letting the quantum field of pure potentiality and possibility help you navigate through this stuff out here so that you are not stuck in what is going on. You step back and go, here's what we can do. So that's what I'm asking you today. Relative or absolute? Now, you know where I'm going to go with, this, um, with that idea. You know, if I say, where do you live most of the time, the relative or the absolute? Well, Ernest Holmes at the end of his life said, the relative is the absolute. Get over yourself. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. The relative is the absolute. But he has a le there's, there's a little more to that sentence, right, Liza? Which is what? At the level of the relative. The relative is the absolute. At the level of the relative. Freaking out at Larry's board is God freaking out at Larry's board <laughs> at that level, right? Stepping back and saying, well, okay, what's the real answer here? That is still God, but at a level that brings possibility into the picture. The question for you is, which level do you want to live at? You can live in the relative world as the relative world, as the absolute at all times, at all times. And you don't turn into a Stepford wife when this happens. You don't suddenly turn into an automaton. You don't suddenly have no feelings. You don't suddenly have no, no challenges. You know, it's not like all of a sudden it's like, I am now in the absolute. I will be for the rest of my life. Nothing will happen. Nothing will bother me. Om. I don't know about you. That doesn't seem like the world I want to live in. You know, I'm not the go up to the top of a mountain, cross your legs, and stay there for 10 years to see what you can hear. That just isn't my life. No offense to anyone who that would work for. But for most of us, we want to know how to live in this world and get the most out of it, to enjoy it, to have passion, to be creative, to just keep going. When she's saying 15 years, it really, really, really touched me to say, this is what I did with these 15 years, and, the, and this, these next 15 years, what's that going to be? And it's not a plan of what am I going to do in these next 15 years. It's, I have 15 more years coming. How about if I turn myself over to it and allow it? Allow those 15 years to, like rolling river God, to wash me, to wash all of my sharpest edges away. Not to make me boring, just to take the jagged, parts of my life 
out so that they don't hurt anyone, myself included. That's what she was singing about. So if you would give me this next slide. I'm sticking with the more contemporary writers. Here is Aristotle. And he said this, it is the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. What do you think about that? Without accepting it. And for me, to me that means without reacting to it. To, to literally, and I love that he says, entertain a thought. To be able to entertain all of this without the, the, the obligatory reactionary world of, I have an answer to this. Because when you say that, I say this. That's my life. When you say this, I feel this way. And now I've said, you've made me feel that. No, I've already decided, I've already created the grooves in my brain that are allowing me to feel this way when you say that. That's my creation, not yours. You can say whatever you want. If I react to it, I am now not giving myself the opportunity to see all different sides of this. That's what questioning has been about for me this month. It is a mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. You know, one of, the, one of our things, one of our themes in our classes is this year, as it was last year, is question everything. And I guess I could say, accept nothing. Accept nothing as absolute truth. Because if it's couched in words, there's probably someone's perspective involved in it. And it's not yours. You may res resonate with it. But if we accept nothing as absolute truth, and we allow ourselves to stay open to this field of pure potential, then I'm wide open. I can entertain that thought. It's beautiful. You know, Reverend Liza's talk last week was exquisite. Did y'all, did you, those of you who were here? And if you have not, if you were not here, and you, you stayed home or maybe watched me in Palm Desert, as a number of people told me, I instantly said, thank you for doing that. Thank you for supporting me. Now go and watch her talk because it was spectacular. And it, it, it just hit so many points. She has a thing about a comma that I've never heard that way before. I will defend myself. I never said no to her. I told her, to, I said, I don't think it's a good idea, but I'm going to leave it to you in the end. And I will also say in her talk last week, she said, he would never admit to this, but he gave it thought too and realized he needed to stop being controlling. I am admitting to it. I did give it some thought and I did question myself and I did want to control it. And so I let go. So there, you were wrong. Um, <laughs> but it's true. It's true. And I'm evolving. I have to. Do you want a stale minister up here, which unfortunately happens a lot, just reading the same quotes and telling you the same stories from the same stupid books? They're not stupid. From the same books, year after year after year. I would hope not, because everybody in this room doesn't want that or you wouldn't be here. You want me to grow. You want me to evolve. You want me to bring new ideas that I'm having. And I want you to bring new ideas. And I want Eric Bork to question me. I want everybody in the classroom to question me. I can mute you, it's fine. <laughs> if I don't like what you're saying, I'm sorry the sound went out. So moving on. No, I would never do that. I've done it once. <laughs> but that's who we need to be in this idea of question everything, accept nothing. And here's the deal. Aristotle's saying it to us thousands and thousands of years ago. So. 
So the question I had today, the title of my talk, do you really need an answer? You know, questions aren't necessarily there to be answered. Questions are there to be felt. Questions are there because it's bringing something up. And if it's bringing something up, it's coming from the quantum field. If it's bringing something up that's new, it's coming from that part of you that is open to the influx of beautiful wisdom. And if it's bringing something up and you recognize it as your gut reaction, get your gut out of it, move it to your heart, and open it up to something bigger. Because sometimes our gut reaction that we're all so invested in is nothing more than our neural pathway sending a signal to the gut saying, this is how we do it. This is how we respond to that. This is how we act when that happens. And I am so not interested in that anymore. So, one more quote. Could you give me the next quote, Thor? Back to another contemporary <laughs> writer, Plutarch. The mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be kindled. The mind, which by the way, for me, the mind is your individual use of the entire universe. That's what mind is to me. I know Ernest Holmes said there is one mind and we are all in it. I now understand what he meant was there is, there is one consciousness, one energetic field of pure possibility, and we are all that. But when it individualizes as Connie, it's the mind, Connie's mind, what she does with it. So the mind is not a vessel to be filled. It is not something for you to fill with more information. It is not for you to, to fill it with more stories about your life. It's that thing in you that is a fire that is just ready to be kindled. There is something in you that is so passionate, that is so ready to be lit up, to be explored in such a way that you are ablaze with desire and passion and creativity. That's what I want to leave us with this month. When we step into next month, which is this week before next Sunday, we are going to move from question to empowerment. And for me, that's what this fire, you can go back to that slide again, Thor. Yeah, that's what that fire is all about. That fire gives you the power that you are. When you feel that fire burning inside of you, that's your power. That's you saying, I don't need to attach myself to any of this. I can stay wildly alive and let that fire just burn. So, the answer to my question, do you really need an answer? Yes and no. Sometimes you need an answer. Are we going to dinner? Yes. Are we going to dinner? No. Relative questions are fine. We've de we need to make decisions. So those type of answers are not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the questions, the, the answers to questions like, who am I? Where am I going? What do I need to know here? Allowing that to just keep bubbling up. It is time for us to really step out of what we think we know and into what we do know and then question the hell out of it, Eric, and put the heaven into it, Margaret. <laughs> to really allow ourselves to stay wide open. That's what I've asked us to do this month. That is certainly what I have done this month, and I'm just at the tip of the iceberg, asking the questions I need to ask and staying wide open, not to the answers, but to where it's going to take me, where it's going to move me. What I know is, 
It is going to move all of us, this congregation, this group of incredible minds, individual minds, into a place of discovery and knowing and passion and fire that as you kindle it up, you kindle up the entire world around you. That's the world I want to live in. Namaste. Hi, this is Dr. James Mellon, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message and ask you for your support. Your tax-deductible donation to Global Truth Center ensures that we can continue to provide you with this form of inspiration each week. To make a contribution now, please visit our website at globaltruthcenter.org. Again, thanks for listening. Namaste.